hey, everybody. The numbers and the feedback and the reviews are in. Rinky Dinking is, get this, the number one podcast amongst listeners with severe hearing impairment and with those without 21st century technology. So, yeah, congratulations to us as we embark on what we think is season number 2.63, I think, or something like that. I don't know how we tabulate these things anymore, uh, but we're back for another season. Even if our stars are a bit tardy heading into this season, and once again, uh, the, the trio that will bring you all the information, all the 411, as the kids used to say, uh, the guy that makes this really happen, and uh, an Emmy Award winner as well, from his work with the stars behind the scenes, videography and what have you. Of course, we're not going home, fame and fortune, Mr. Jeff Totes. Jeff, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, and it's so easy to get this going when, you know, the technology is not a struggle at all. We just Isn't that the truth, though? <laughs> this I, I don't seamless. know people, you think people even realize how we've upgraded here, heading into this 56-game campaign? Oh, I think the true audiophiles can tell, but this was, <laughs> it took no effort on our end. We just no, fired up our no. computers, and we were recording. <laughs> we are so computer and tech savvy. Uh, and coming at you on the Samsung Q2U microphone this season. I think you can tell. The giggle in the background, of course, was the uh, giggles of one Mike Heike, senior writer for DallasStars.com. Among other things, uh, just a, a man of mystery, loves his wilderness, his mittens, the UP, what have you. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Daryl. I'm yeah. excited to be back. Well, we're excited to have you back. The pay's the same. Doesn't change from <laughs> year to year. With this uh, microphone, you know, I, I need to go into NPR voice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to get in. You can get in real tight, real soft. The uh, one thing that we are in desperate need of, and th this is a sh uh, not a shout out. What is it? A, um, it's, a, it's a cry for help from us here on the podcast. Uh, we need, we need a, a, some theme music. We need a theme song. Nobody's ever written a theme song for us. Uh, and use your imagination out there, uh, fans of the podcast and, and Stars Nation, which is a very hip thing to say now. You just put whatever the team name is, slap Nation on it. Uh, Rinky Dink Nation, uh, I think, is what we're looking at. And uh, if you could come up with something and, and send them along, you know how to get a hold of us. The best guy to get a hold of for, for this is probably uh, you, Jeff Totes. Do you want to throw out your, your information, your home phone number? Uh, first off, I thought we were referring to them as dinkheads, but I guess that, <laughs> that hasn't caught on yet. Um, yes. I can only I can only see the hats for that. <laughs> I remember wing nuts. I know they're a pair of heads, but uh, All right, that, might, that might not catch on. But I'm I'm pulling for that for uh, Rinky Dinking Nation. But yes, please reach out to me on Twitter with your submissions. All right, very good. Uh, let's get on to the uh, the business of of Aki in our Dallas Stars. Well, let's start off, don't you think, by talking about the woolly mammoth in the room, and that is COVID. The Stars, in postponement, were supposed to, what, have three games under 
the belt by now, including a rematch of cup finalists. That would have been yesterday as we record this. Uh, and we missed the two games against the Florida Panthers. The Panthers must be like, you ducking us, bro? Or what's the deal? They were here <laughs> for the game in March, the day the virus shut everything down again. But, uh, th- I mean, th- the headlines for this club uh, heading into the season have been the outbreak that, that they had. And, Mike, you're, you're – well, I have a couple of questions. One, uh, Mike, wh- where is this team at with this right now? And uh, and then another one, a follow-up for you, uh, Jeff Totes, who've been embedded with these boys. I'm just curious about the testing that you have to go through because I know that the players are essentially being tested each and every day. So, Mike, you go ahead. Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, when we talked to Anton Hudobin on our Zoom call, he had it in the off season, and he said it was a struggle to get up two flights of stairs. And for a top level athlete, that's a little concerning. Yeah. Um, obviously, this disease, this whatever it is, uh, does it's hurt virus, your breathing. Mike, a virus. Yeah. This virus hurts your breathing. Uh, so I think that's a concern. Um, there are people who uh, have been with the Cowboys who said that they think it affected Zeke's season. Um, so since, you know, six guys or more have had it, um, you do wonder what, you know, how their aerobics are going to be in a very tight schedule um, in a sport that requires a lot of aerobic aerobic activity. So, yeah, I'm really curious. Uh, the fact that they did so well, and, and I'm not there, but I, I really do believe they're trying to do everything they can to not get it. And then 17 some odd yeah. people, you know, have supposedly either had it or been in contact with people. Uh, it's really concerning. Right. Well, the, 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 the genesis of it, though, you, you, you sort of understand how this can happen because my understanding is that most, if not all, were asymptomatic. So... Nobody feels sick. Nobody has any uh, signs of of having COVID. And they're going about their business, as as you mentioned, as carefully as possible, masks and social distancing and everything else. But you watch them out there in practice. I mean, how you can't social distance when you're going through drills and standing in a corner together uh, and breathing deeply, you know, after 45 seconds of, uh, you know, flat out max exertion. Uh, and then all of a sudden it's like, boom, 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 boom. It, it runs like a, like a brush fire through them uh, and they have to shut things down. Now the, the negatives you pointed out and, and there's, I mean, there's no conclusive evidence or, or nobody really knows what this thing does to normal humans, let alone athletes. And the, the, the positive, if you're going to be a bit selfish going forward this season would be that the majority of these guys have had it. So there's there's going to be a stretch where there is no concern that you're going to be missing half your team because they have COVID, uh, or, you know, or they're in uh, tracing uh, because you know seventeen to twenty guys have had it. I guess I guess that would be a positive if you're looking for a, a shiny lining in all this. Yeah, the other one is that Hudobin was delayed coming back. Harley was delayed. So now they're not. Now they've had their time on the ice. And, and on opening night, those guys should be ready to go if if the coaches choose to use them. Yeah, get, I mean, getting an extra week after a very short offseason, which is a wonderful thing. Uh, every team, you know, desires that to play into the, the final two teams 
uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, which they did. Uh, and we'll get more into the personnel and what have you, but how how is it internally there, Totsi, as far as testing is concerned? Yeah, it's been interesting because, like you said, um, I mean, still a lot of unknown with regards to the specific of the virus, but I definitely got to see firsthand how an outbreak occurs and then how quickly it can spread. It was wild those first couple of days of training camp to see the positives of, you know, one, then four, then eight, then the 17. Um, yeah. And obviously it moves quickly in such compact environment, but we're tested every day um, since right after Christmas. So really for a week leading up to the return to Frisco. And then every day out in Frisco, whether there's practice or not. So, um, how yeah. did you dodge it? You wearing a hazmat suit in there, or what was the deal? That's a great question. I guess just no one wants to talk to me. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the positive of being all video, yeah, not audio. Yeah, people avoid you. Um, yeah, I don't know how I dodged it based on the positives, but happy that I did, and happy yeah. we're back to it now. Yeah, good for you. Way to go. Uh, the the coaches are all wearing masks. We, we haven't been at, I haven't been at practice in, it, it feels like two weeks. Uh, I don't, you know, you, you, once again, we're, everything from a distance, not even an arm's length. Uh, we can't even sit on those frigid aluminum stands and watch them go through their drills. Uh, but back when, when they were there, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of mask wearing on the ice. I think, uh, Bones was wearing a mask, right? Rick Bones. Yeah. He, he right definitely has. And and then I think Derek Laxtell had one on one day. And, you know, you look back in hindsight now and, and there were some players missing that day and you're like, oh, uh, that might have had something to do with that all of a sudden. And then they go forward. But when they play games, they're all wearing masks on the bench. And that's, you know, for a, for any coaching staff and coach-player relationship and trying to get your points across in short order, especially in hockey in a continu- continuous flowing game like that, uh, that that's going to be it's going to be a battle to to be able to to get your your point across quickly when you've got your muzzled a little bit uh, in behind there, and and then there's the fashion statement as well. Uh, <laughs> will there be logos on the masks? I'm glad they're not all wearing the, the powder blue surgical masks in behind the bench. That looks terrible. Don't you think? Uh, I think they can sell AT&T <clears throat> on the uh, logos now. Uh, <laughs> well, it, well I, I've been watching other games, and we'll get into that as well. The uh, the coaches, you know, they have them on. I remember the beginning of the football season. I mean, remember they had to crack down because guys were wearing neck gaiters and this and that. Some guys were wearing them like they were mustaches and just over the nose. And then the, the we, league slaps them on the wrist and says, that's not, you got to wear them properly. Remember week one of the NFL with Andy Reid just having yeah. completely fogged up shield. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't yeah. see anything. But, it, you know, watching the games and the coaches right now, it looks like for the most part, there's semi-uniformity in behind the bench. And I'm, I'm sure they found uh, and, and tried different masks and the ones that do the job and at the same time allow them to breathe and allow them to communicate are going to be the ones that they'll wear continuously. Uh, but it's, you know, it's just another hurdle. And, and speaking of, of hurdles, uh, the, the, you know, f- fans are going to be in the building on Friday night when they start this thing off. And with that, they have to follow 
uh, protocols as well, just to come into the building as you and I uh, have to, to, to call the games or cover the games. Uh, but fans are going to uh, fill out a, a COVID survey on their mobile devices uh, on the day of the game. And they're required to wear masks when they're inside there and not uh, gators and and masks with with valves and no face shields and anything like that. The building's going to be completely cashless, and uh, there'll be. Remember, the women had to wear or had to bring. I think it was clear bags, purses, and that you couldn't couldn't bring purses. Well, now they you can't bring bags or purses or anything. Uh, just little wallet size clutches. But uh, there is a there is a website. Uh, www.starscheckin.com is where uh, fans that are going to the game will have to check in and fill out the survey and away you go it, it'll I, look watching games that have had some fans in the building I watched the Arizona uh, season opener and they had some in there and they won it in overtime and man it just it, it sounded and just felt like a sliver of normalcy to see that go on uh, in just a, a sea of, once again, very dystopian landscapes inside these buildings. Yeah, it's interesting. In, in watching some of these events that have fans in the building, though, I haven't seen any reports of, you know, a mass spread because of the fans. So hopefully everybody's trying no, to, you know, no, do things as best as they can. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean... <laughs> I don't, we'll see. My daughter goes to school at Alabama, and that was quite a scene in downtown Tuscaloosa after they won the national championship. Uh, and then, you know, you worry about something like that in a super spreader event. Uh, you worry about it, I think, even at Cowboys games. I mean, what they have? 25, 30,000 people in there? Yeah, they uh, set attendance and, records. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yay. But, uh, but to have, you know, to have 6,000 of our fans in the building. I mean, we haven't called a game in front of a live audience in almost a calendar year. You know, it was it was March of last year, the last time we did. We went all the way through the playoffs calling it out of a room. And, uh, you know, the hope, I, I think the hope for everybody, and it's, you know, the league, ownerships everywhere, uh, Tom Gillardi here with the Stars, is that as the vaccine yeah, it gets implemented and hopefully better and quicker than it has been so far. And we move forward that it'll be just a little more and a little more. We'll get to 50%, maybe get to 75%. Who knows by the time we get to the Stanley cup, uh, playoffs, you might, you might be able to put full, you know, full buildings in play once again, which would just be marvelous. Yeah. And I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think the fans are going to have a lot of faith and confidence in coming back that it's going to be done the right way. And so if indeed you have the chance to go into an 18,000, uh, building, I think you'll, I think many of them will take that opportunity. Yeah. Well, that's the thing I've already heard with our stars fans is that, uh, if they could, they could put a lot more in than just 6,000, but that that's the limit right now. And it speaks to the, uh, passion for, the team and individuals in our sport among stars fans. And unfortunately all the stars will not be there from day one. Uh, there are a couple big names are not going to be playing, uh, until late, if at all in this 56 game schedule and Ben Bishop and Tyler Sagan, who both had had surgery, uh, which is, is stings a little bit. 
Uh, but it, again, it's it's opportunities for others. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where I'd like to take this now. These kids are going to get a chance. Uh, and not just kids. I think some guys who've been here are going to get a an expanded responsibility given to them to either run with it or fail. Uh, but some of the youngsters are going to get a chance to play a lot quicker than the management uh, group with with Jim Nill and, and company probably would like. Uh, but you really have no choice. Uh, they're going to run with these taxi squads uh, along with your your rosters. You're probably going to need an awful lot of players playing a lot of hockey in a short period of time within a pandemic. Uh, but w- what about these kids, Mike Heike? Uh, I like it. Um, I think fans in general, I, you know, I, I communicate with fans a lot and they've been wanting a youth movement for a while. And I think if, as a GM, you're just, your natural instinct is to trust veterans. And so they've gone out and they've gotten veteran players, even on a one year or two year deal uh, that stood in the way potentially of some of the younger players. And they can't do that anymore, whether that's because of the COVID or whether that's because of the contracts they have or injuries. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I'm very excited. Um, I think a guy like Thomas Harley should get a chance. I mean, he's very talented. Obviously, he's very young, 19. Um, but it would be really interesting to see him in a game. Uh, Ottinger is well, going to have to be— him in a game in the, in the bubble. Yeah, but I'm just saying in, in the, the NHL. Going, yeah. yeah. No, where, I, I know what you, you mean. It, look, yeah. it, you, you'd like Thomas Harley to play at least a half a year, I would think, of professional hockey league or hockey in the American Hockey League. Uh, before that, before you step in, make, you know, make a few pro mistakes there, uh, and then step in, uh, to the lineup with the, with the stars, you would think, uh, that that's always been kind of the, the MO, uh, not as, not to the degree it once was the, you know, the old Red Wing, we want them over ripe, not, not just ripe before they, they step into the National Hockey League lineup. You can't do that anymore. Young guys are cheap, which is great. Uh, the, they're usually fast. The, the, some of your best skaters are your young skaters and they come, come in believing that they belong there immediately. They don't need any seasoning. Uh, and he would probably fall in that category too. He played very well for Canada at the world junior championships that just concluded another boost of confidence. I would think, uh, for him, uh, he, I, I like watching him play. I really do. Uh, you know, he's, he's just another one along with, he's like, he's like a little combination of, of John Klingberg, you know, just because the easy play is there doesn't mean I really want to go with it. <laughs> there, there, there's a couple other things I'd like to do first. And uh, I admire some of that. Coaches get frustrated by it. Uh, and then he, he's, you know, rangy and, and size uh, and ability to defend that way. Um, you know, he's he's a very talented young defenseman. Uh, and Jake Ottinger is an extremely talented young netminder who, again, you would prefer uh, carried a heavy w- uh, workload in the American Hockey League again. And especially when you had Bishop and, you know, two veteran 
superb netminders here in Bishop and Hudobin. And, uh, you know, just, just let them play a lot of games in a lot of different circumstances. Play when you're tired. Play after you get blown out. Get on a run. All of these things that, that you want to season your goaltender with. Well, now, he got into some games in the bubble, albeit the games were over by the time he got in there. Uh, he's he's going to get starts and and important starts and uh again he's another very confident calm i love the fact that he's he's got such poise in there so he'll he'll be fun to watch and uh jason robertson you know you're gonna need goals uh, he, he's got a scorer's knack he's gonna get opportunities because of that uh delandria gives him uh, you know some some feist and some kibble uh, and and a real you know bright mind he thinks the game well just doesn't have the experience uh, and Commando falls in that department too where you get a little sandpaper great skater uh, he's played some games in that so th- yeah there's an injection of these young guys and their desire to show that they belong and and deserve minutes uh, that that can help and uh, they're going to have to play because of some injuries and some departures. You know, Corey Perry's in Montreal, uh, yeah. Matias Janmark's in Chicago, and uh, opportunity is right there for those young guys. Can I ask you something? I, just in my <coughs> no. observation. No, I can't. I know. Uh, there's a window, it seems like. It used to be the window was 27, 28, 29, 30 when a, a player was in his prime. And you're looking at statistically now at some of these guys at 22, 23, 24, 25 – that's their prime, and then they start kind of going downhill at 27, 28. Have you seen that at all? Uh, no, I, I've, I've never really uh, sat around and, and mulled it over or went through the numbers with it. I, I, guys get opportunities at a, at a younger age now, and at, I always, through the years, when, you add, when you're adding teams, it, it can add – it used to really add more years on to the end of guys' careers. Uh, and that you always saw you know, the average age go up a little bit and uh, p- players who were past, obviously past their prime, but they would extend their careers into their mid-30s because there were just more jobs. And it seems now if you're going to add more jobs and more players, they're going the other direction. There, it's going to be more opportunities for young guys immediately rather than hanging on veteran guys uh, getting another year or two years um, because there are one or two more teams in on the circuit. So uh, it would make sense that the, the prime, if you will, gets knocked down by a year or two because of that just because guys are you know you think about it you i've been watching a lot of red wings hockey just because they're in the division now and you look at a guy like like dylan larkin and he just became their captain he's been in the league for six years yeah and and you're you're like what like six years and he still seems like he's a little fuzzy faced kid but um you know he's put together a body of work already and yeah, and, yeah I, I, I think you're right. I, 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 now, the older guys will tell you your prime is still 28, uh, 29, somewhere in there, uh, 27, 28 for sure. 
Uh, and the young guys will say, I'm prime times right now, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's even, you know, a guy like Line A, Line a I know he's only 22, but like he had his. He's done. His just, Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not saying he's done, oh, but I'm just saying like some of these guys, they explode at 21 or 22. And then by the time they're 25, 26, 27, whether that's mileage or injuries or the league figuring them out, they're not quite the same explosive player. Huh. And the game's very fast, too. So I think you need to be a fast player to take advantage of that. Yeah, but uh, look, it, it, guys aren't getting drafted if they can't skate anymore. Uh, yeah. That's, and that just didn't happen in the last three years. That, that's been going on for a while. Uh, and, it, you know, they get a lot of money pretty quick, uh, too, nowadays. <laughs> and Not that that's completely fouling them up, but uh, they, you know, they... I don't know. It's it's a it's a good premise though. I'll look at it a little little okay. more in depth, Mike, if that makes you happy. <laughs> it's just something that tosses around in my head when I'm watching these games. Yeah, speaking of watching games, uh, what have your impressions been of these tilts so far? Well, the one for me, and hopefully I'm not jumping the jumping the schedule here, but the back to back is interesting. I mean, there yeah. there really is something there of yeah. you play a team, you turn around the next night or two nights later and play the same team. You know, if you lost, you're very motivated to win that next game. Yes, I think you're motivated to win every game, but yeah, uh, but and you're going to play these teams again. Uh, yeah, but, but yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you've been there. You've, you're comfortable with the building. You played in there. You've seen what they've got going on. Uh, that's why a lot of coaching adjustments are going to be front and center this season. Maybe more so than than in years past uh, in adjusting to the to the opposition. And coaches don't like to do that all that much. Like you, you talk to most coaches and they'll tell you ad nauseum, Hey, our focus is us. Uh, you know, we're going to deal with what we do. We're not so concerned with what they do. We haven't seen this team this year, you know, blah, 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 coach speak. Uh, whereas uh, you're right. I, th- I think you get into these two game sets, you go in with a game plan and, then after game one, you don't get you what you wanted, which is a victory. And you, you, I would think coaching staffs get together and they're like, okay, we're going to tweak this. They do that well, uh, better than we saw on video. So we're going to try this. And you make your adjustments and hope you get better performance out of some individuals and and win the second game. Uh, I just like the fact that it... It, it, it feels they're obviously sets, right? These are sets of games throughout a 56 game schedule. And, and it has more of a, a baseball-y feel to it or or a NCAA where they you know, play two games on the weekend against uh, one another and, and then you move on and practice all week long. Well, you're not going to practice all week on. You're just going to move on to the next set as, as this goes through. I, I felt that the, the games... The games have been a bit sloppy. There have been lots of goals for the most part, uh, as you know, guys have energy and they're rattling around out there. I would think as it moves along, because you are playing only your division, that it, it'll just get tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter, and you'll have a ton of one-goal games and overtime games as it moves forward. Because I remember back... Uh, I don't know whether it was Lindy Ruff or if it was Tip or probably both of them who used to talk about putting an absolute premium on divisional games. Now, that was when you were mixing in conference games and, and then games against the other side. 
and now every single night is a divisional game. And you lose, you're right, you, you lose both ends of a back-to-back. -back. I mean, you're losing some ground against a team that you need to finish ahead of. You got to finish uh, ahead of half of them, basically, in your division to be a playoff team. So uh, it, it should create animosity uh, in these sets and the familiarity, some great hockey. But um, my one caveat fear in it all would be that it gets hyper careful as they move along. Just keep it close. Just make sure the, if you lose, you only lose one point, not the full two points. They should have introduced the three-point win for this season only. <laughs> that would have been you fun. Know? Yeah, yeah. Just, just to make it make it so that, you know what, you can make up a lot of ground in a hurry and you can get buried in a hurry. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's funny. It, but the games, the games in different ranks is nice. I, I was sick of seeing hockey played in two Canadian arenas. You know, the same aesthetics over and over again in Toronto and Edmonton in the bubble. And now, you know, you can flick on the TV and you can tell where they're at. Uh, just by the bags on the seats, <laughs> and uh, it gives it a, it gives it a bit of a different uh, feel in every arena, and I, I've enjoyed that. How do they sew those bags together? <laughs> They've got to be huge. Yeah, they there's they have a, a lot of shut-ins at the uh, at the retirement communities and that now they can't get out. <laughs> They just quilt them. Have you, and they just they just have them embroider and needle uh, stitch and put them together. Uh, that's what I heard. Pretty smart. Yeah, a lot of doilies <laughs> <laughs> and socks and what have you. So the uh, in the get this one in in the last nine seasons because we have a fifty six game schedule this year and I. I it, I'll say something at the end of this, and I want you to react from it. But in in the past nine seasons, we have seen a 48-game schedule, a 69-game schedule, 82-game schedules, and now this year, 56-game schedules. So your your continuity of of the the journey, if you will, throughout the season is all over the map within a decade. You know, they played 48 games because of the lockout, played 69 last year because of COVID, this year 56 again because of, of COVID. And it, it leads me to believe that you, you got to just let go of the past now. It's too hard to say from season to season these numbers and, and those numbers and, and this, and that's how they utilize that. I don't think there's as much interest in history in the past as, as there once was. I, I think everyone's about now and tomorrow, and I think you have to be with the way things are, have unfolded and will unfold going forward. Your thoughts, Mike? Uh, yes, I agree. And also the odd thing about, you know, Tampa being so good in the regular season and getting swept in the first round. I, I do think that adds to the fact that guys aren't looking for the 120 point season or maybe individuals are still looking for their points and everything. But I think GMs, I don't know that they aspire back in the day in the 97, 98, 99 stars. They wanted to be the best team in the league. They wanted the best power play. They wanted the best penalty kill. And they, you know, it really paid off. And nowadays it just seems like the attitude is, well, let's just get to the playoffs and we'll, we'll mm -hmm. be playing our best hockey and, and that'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And so the actual emphasis you know, kind of follows that trend of we don't, you know, what if we play 56 games as long as we're in the matter? top? Yeah, if, as long as we're in the top four, but, we're fine. Right, but like like even say you're a goal scorer 
Uh, okay, so you've got, you've had a string of thirty goal seasons. Well, last year you didn't score thirty because there weren't enough games. This year you're not going to score thirty because there aren't enough games. So all of a sudden, you're what does it even mean anymore? Right? Do, do you have to do the math and say, well, we do so many uh, arithmetic gymnastics anyway, trying to link season to season and eras to eras and whatever, and. Uh, I think more than ever, we're at a point where it's really staying the now and, and what's coming up more so than what went on. And I, yeah, I worry I, about that. I worry about that a little bit. I, I do. I, I don't like it. Uh, I, don't, I don't like just, you know, putting the past in a box and forgetting about it. Uh, but there doesn't seem to be the appetite there once was for it. Yeah. And I think individuals have changed too. I mean, I remember, I think it was the second year we were here, uh, Shane Churla announcing he wanted to score 20 goals. <laughs> and that was big news because here's your, your fighter going like, yeah, I want to be a 20 goal scorer. And you just don't hear anybody saying they want to be a 20 goal scorer, hundred you know, point guy. You don't hear anybody announcing individual goals, I guess, maybe because it seems too cocky nowadays um, or, or it's just because they, it has been so inconsistent. Well, the consistency will be who you're playing <laughs> this year because you're yeah. only going to play your division. I mean, even my preparation for the season or when I'm watching games, I have very little interest in anything that goes on in the other divisions. <laughs> I'm like, I'm never going to see them. I don't have to know them. You know, I, you'll turn it on if there's a good game on or you enjoy the broadcasters. That's, that's usually how I differentiate more than just the teams or the games. It's like, well, I enjoy the broadcast. And with that, uh, it, it's just a steady diet of the Discover Card Central division that uh, that I've been watching. And there, it's seven teams. You only need to know seven teams. And it's a battle royale with those other clubs in the in the central. And w even with that, so the, the top four teams in each division are going to make the playoffs. And yet, I, I find it uh, a bit startling, the lack of love that has been out there uh, nationally for our little Dallas Stars. You? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's shocking well, to me. What, what I mean, it, they made it to the Stanley Cup final. They beat well, Colorado. It, they beat Vegas. And they're like, yeah, they might finish fourth or fifth behind yeah. Nashville or Carolina. <laughs> yeah, well, if they finish fourth, fine. I mean, a lot of the uh, lists and when, uh, listening to things, they don't even have them finishing in the top four. And they're basically saying, cute little parlor trick in the bubble there, Dallas. Way to go. Uh, but we think you are who you were prior to that. And with no Sagan and no Bishop, there's no love from us for you. I, I, I think that the team can use that as a motivational advantage, don't you? Yeah, I definitely think now, they use... They'll probably say, well, we don't listen to any of that and this. Of course they do. Yeah. And if it was me and I was in there, I would be using that as an absolute uh, carrot out in front of me and my group to just say, look, nobody believes you guys are any good. Yeah. You haven't proved I, anything, I, I, I which think is Rick, wonderful. You know, in that award-winning uh, totes video, uh, I think Rick uh, showed that he, he definitely does not mind using outside uh, opinion to help motivate his team. So I definitely think they, would, they should embrace that. Um, that being said, I, I really don't know. Could, could Florida go up? Could Carolina go up? Could Columbus go up? Could Nashville well, go up? Uh, yeah, but 
look, you, you just need to finish in the top four, to your point, Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe that's, look, that that's what everybody is saying. Nobody is out to win the President's Trophy this year. There's not a team in the league that is trying to win the President's Trophy, don't you think? Yeah. I, I really, I, I, I just don't see it. I, everybody's like, look, we want to we play our best hockey. We want to finish in the top four in our division. So if you look at this central division, the Stars are better than Chicago. The Stars are better than Detroit. Although Detroit, I think, will be improved this year. They're better than Nashville. They're better than Nashville, right? I mean, the, I don't the, know. <laughs> the, Preds, the Preds are hoping for big... Uh, bounce backs from their their stars and and, uh, and their netbinder. Although Soros has, has played great, I, I would think they're better than than Nashville. I think they're better than Columbus. Not by much. I'm, I'm not. No. I'm not saying that the, the you know this is every time they face them they'll, they'll defeat them. But I, I think I think when they play to their potential, they they're better. Uh, and then you have Florida who are going to be improved this year. You have Carolina, who everyone seems to love all the time. And and then you have Tampa Bay, who nipped them in the Stanley Cup final. So uh, I, I don't, I, I just don't see how they, they are automatically discounting the Dallas Stars, if you will, because of uh, a couple of injuries. And look, they're significant. That, no Tyler Sagan and, and no Ben Bishop uh, is, that's significant. Uh, and it's, Again, it, it's not going to be easy for them to finish in the top four, but to to go from a couple of games away from winning the Stanley Cup to we don't think you're going to make the playoffs is eh, misguided. How's that? Yeah, that was nice. yeah, and I and yeah. I think the the 28 games or 27 games in the playoffs should help players like Dennis Kirianov and Rope Hint and Miro Haskinen and oh my God, you know, go down yes, the list, Mike. They the should confidence. be better players this year. Well, they, they, look, from the time that, that Rick Bonus had a chance to implement Rick Bonusness, <laughs> right? As far as yes. style and philosophy, uh, till uh, now, I mean, they've been a good, they've been a very good team, like an excellent yeah. team. They won the Western Conference. They're going to put a banner up on Friday, uh, legitimate. And, I just I I could see somebody saying, yeah, I mean they're not going to win the division, but uh, I certainly have them as a playoff team. But for people to say, yeah, I, I don't see them in the Stanley Cup playoffs at the end of this fifty-six games is nuts. It's crazy, Mike. There's crazy yeah, people out there. You and I Lunacy. were talking in this. And I, I believe I truly believe this. A team needs a personality, whether that's your GM or your coach or your superstar player, whatever it is. I think Rick Bonus is that personality. And if you look at this team's record under him, even in the second half of last season, they're really good. Not just pretty good. They're really good. And I think he's the personality that drives them. Yeah. Now, look, I'll, I'll do the little little inch of. I, I get where the outside might be thinking things just because there there were struggles to score goals and, and to win heading into the bubble. There were some things that went on in the bubble that were otherworldly <laughs> that managed to push him through. But there, there's belief now. There, there's identity and there's belief. And as you mentioned, some of these young guys that they so desperately need 
to play to their potential and beyond uh, look like they're going to be able to do that. Uh, so, you know, but even even saying that, they, when when Rick took over, they went on what a ten game unbeaten streak. Even before they sort of spiraled for a little bit, uh, heading into the pause. So, I mean, there's until you do it and prove it. I, I guess they're going to be naysayers, and uh, they. I'm just surprised that they are looking at the stars the way that they have because uh, internally, and if you've covered them, you wouldn't feel that way. We don't feel yeah. that way here on Rinky no. Dinking. With no theme song. It doesn't even matter to us. Uh, so, as far as winning it all this year, though, the Bridesmaids, Stanley Cup final Bridesmaids don't fare too well uh, going forward. And uh, that that's not a new thing. That's been going on for a while, right? Yeah, and I think it's also in other sports as well. I mean, it just... Oh, is it? I, I think, yeah, I think you, you get... The interesting thing about the NHL is that back in the day, so the Stars get to the uh, Western Conference Final and then come the next year and they win. Uh, I think it was the uh, Devils or the Rangers, the Devils. Uh, they got to the Eastern Conference Finals and then end up, you know, there's a history of teams that got just right there, learned their lessons, and then it paid off. You could even say Tampa Bay's that way now. Um, but... Um, it's hard. I mean, you, you have all the bumps and bruises and, and, you know, none of the good times. So now you have to get yourself back up from not only the physical beating, but the emotional beating and say, okay, now we're ready to go again. Yeah. Yeah. It seems <laughs> weird though. It seems like you'd, you'd be like, we're right there and we're going to find the piece that we need or the lessons learned will apply and we'll win it all. And, and yet, uh, it, it seems to rarely happen. Lose the final one year, win the cup the next season uh, is not really a habitual thing that, that has gone on. Although it has, it has happened in past, more so, I, th- I think, building toward it uh, than any kind of little individual year epiphany. And then all of a sudden you overcome the, the following year. But it, 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 it's, I find it surprising. Do you find it a little bit surprising or not? That, that it's just so crushing that you got that far and didn't get anything that yeah. you, you, you scramble to get to that next point. Because I'll, one of the things one of the, I've always loved and I've, I've looked at, like St. Louis before they won the cup did this. They, they were losing, they were bowing out, sometimes really early, you know, first, second round. But they were bowing out to the eventual Stanley Cup champion year after year after year. And with that, I I thought you know like they're a good team if they can stick with it, uh, and and not fall into that that rut where it's like oh my god we can't get out of the first round again. Look who you're lo- losing to, and and then use that as a, a confidence builder because if you look at the stars, they've lost to the eventual Stanley Cup champ two years in a row now. They yeah, I definitely to, think you can use that. Yeah, they. I mean, they lost to St. <laughs> yeah. Louis. Then they they lost in the Stanley Cup final to Tampa Bay. And if if I'm around the stars and having an impact on things, I'm reminding them that. Yeah, almost definitely. Daily. Like you, you guys are knocking on the door. Don't forget that. 
and and then see whether they can you got to get back into the dance again and part of that is what's going to go on here in in the next four months but it it seems way more doable than than people that just discard it seem to feel yeah i think you have to remind them too on a daily basis because i do think it's frustrating because you want to go back and just play the Stanley Cup final over again. I think, you know, after that disappointment, you're like, okay, well, let's go play the final. And so now you have to go, well, you got to be patient and you have to be determined. And yeah, you, you want to get right this. back to that spot Correct. again and do this, that, and the other thing differently and then win. You're right. right. You're right. And so then that mentally, I think, is something you just got to remind them, hey, this is a hard climb. You can do it, but it's a hard climb. Yeah, well, it, look, it's tough being a bridesmaid. Uh, yeah, I think Miss Wig proved that in Bridesmaids. Did she not? When they went to the restaurant <laughs> I, and they all I threw think up that was it. Classic gown shop. <laughs> I think the bride had to end up taking a two in the street. Great movie. <laughs> anyway, uh, digress. Uh, you, the Mike Heike perspective uh, this week is balance of offense and defense. Can you expand Indeed. on that? Yeah, I just th- it's very interesting to watch. I love it when them. your voice goes up like that, you're very excited. I am you excited. Like, <laughs> sound like Romo when when they <laughs> throw the ball, get the first down. <laughs> I think I could be the next Tony Romo. Uh, mm, maybe not. <laughs> in what way? I'd like uh, to be the, paid like the next I Tony know. Romo. And <laughs> the offense versus defense. I mean, Stars fans have seen it. Like when Lindy was running the show, they were amazing offensively. But they, you know, had some holes defensively or goaltending, you know, whichever way you want to say. And that's the same thing with this year. I think if you looked in the playoffs, they were really good, better offensively, but they also gave up a half a goal more a game. And now is that because they were taking too many chances? They were too risky? Is that because the other teams were really good offensively? Um, It's an interesting balance. And, you know, Rick said the other day, um, they want to do both. And I know every coach has said that. Hitch said the same thing. Create offense from defense. Um, Take your, know when to take your chances. And the thought process is, look, we did this in the bubble. We have all that experience. Now let's expand on that. Let's get better at it. Let's use our experience to make better decisions. Uh, and I and I believe that. I think you can put that down on paper and say, hey, we can be this team. But I also worry that with Ben Bishop out uh, and with trying to rely on a goaltender, a second goaltender who hasn't played an NHL game yet or started an NHL game yet, um, there is a concern that what if they do start giving up four and five goals a game? What will that do to them? Yeah, that's why you play the games, though. You figure yeah. it out, you know, as you go along. I, I I love the statement from Bones that we're we're bringing our defense. Like we're we're gonna keep playing the way we played. Like there's there's gonna be a fourth guy on the attack a lot, and there, there's such a, a large sample size of success with that uh, from what they did in the bubble that. You're right. I, I think if they do refine it and hone it a little bit, uh, they, 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 it can be a, a weapon and teams are going to feel like they felt at times, I'm sure, in the playoffs, where it's like, man, it feels like there's 11 Dallas Stars on the ice at, at times and and trying to keep up with that. And when it seemed like whenever they needed a goal, they manufactured a goal. Now, is that going to continue? Because that was their biggest problem in the regular season in the last couple seasons was they, they couldn't manufacture goals when they needed it. They they get 
stuck, bunged up, constipated offensively. So we're going to see whether that was, uh, you know, something that just happened for them or if it's the genesis of a real strong run, multiple season run of this style and success uh, going forward. And, uh, if it does, uh, I mean, it's, it's a, uh, it, it's an enjoyable style, uh, to watch and, and see them play because they, there's stuff happening. You're, you're not, you're not killing hockey. You're, you're creating hockey with this. And, uh, but everybody else feels the same way. Like Columbus is the same way. They, you know, they come out, they've, they've got this foundation of blue collar work ethic, uh, in spades and they had great goaltending tandem last year, but they, they don't, they just toiled to try to score enough to win. Like goals were just so hard to come by. And uh, they say they, they want to loosen things up, find different ways to score without losing their foundation. Man, that's a neat trick. <laughs> it's not easy to do. Uh, and the one, the one thing, though, you guys, that always makes that happen uh, and makes it a, a, a realistic thing is if you get just absolute lights out, stand on your head, unconscious goaltending. Because uh, then you just don't overanalyze anything. It's like, yeah, it all seems to be working. We got 38 saves from Dobie tonight. Perfect. Who's next? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think you see it in the players too. I mean, a player who has got a goalie back there who's worried about is not going to take a chance. And even if he hesitates a half a second, then a lot of opportunities are gone. A, a player that has confidence that if he goes and makes a run, that his goalie's got his back, it, it really does allow them to be more creative offensively. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got anything else? No, nah, I'm good. You know, you covered quite a bit for a couple guys who haven't seen a game in, what, <laughs> six months? <laughs> I am looking forward to that. Just watching a game in person is going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be 56 games in four or five months of on the fly, don't you think, this season? Yeah. Instead of- and, and and big ups and downs because of the standings, I think. Like if you well, go on a three uh, or four. Uh, you, you, the standings, the pandy, everything. Yeah. Instead of structured on the whistle line changes, that kind of order, uh, it's most likely to be teams approaching the season like, uh, and a season that's division only, like they're on the fly. They're, they're changing on the fly. You're going to have to change personnel. You're going to have to deal with with the virus still throughout this. And, uh, and you know, it's a, it's a short period of time. I mean, what's it going to be like? Uh, it would be just over 100 days, won't it, by the time the Yeah, I think 108. So, so more than one game every two days. 108. Jeez. I think that's what it is. Whew. You know well, you the other remember- interesting thing? What? From a storytelling standpoint, is the opportunity for the Yoel Kivirantas to come out of nowhere? I think that's you're going to see names you've never heard of performing in amazing ways just because they're getting that opportunity. Well, that happened in the in the bubble. That already happened. I know, but that that's the lesson I learned. That, Mike? I do. It was the greatest moment of my life is to jump out of my recliner and cheer on Yoel <laughs> Kivirantas. <laughs> Well, it's it, it's a short sprint. Everybody's talked about it. Uh, it will be. It really will be over in a blink of an eye. Uh, do you remember twenty twelve thirteen? The forty eight. I games? don't. No. Yeah, 
I don't remember much. They happened oh, quick. It, it wasn't. It wasn't very memorable. It was the last year at Glenn Gullitson, I think, wasn't it? As yeah, the you're head right. Coach. Yep. And they weren't making the playoffs. It was not a very good time. Uh, two <laughs> here. Here, this. Th- I'll say this, and then we'll we'll get out of here because people have had enough of us already. Uh, Columbus uh, was in the. Columbus was in the West then, and so was Detroit. <laughs> and now they're in our division. <laughs> it's crazy. The what NHL crazy. is so fun. What a crazy, crazy league. Crazy league. It really is. And uh, we're going to cover it. We'll cover it all here on our new technology at Rinky Dinking. I think people have enjoyed this as they've consumed it. We're a long walk trying to keep their <laughs> mental state. Uh, however you consume us, this is how we'll do it with our dulcet tones, uh, through the magic of computerized vocal recording. And I think we sounded absolutely terrific. Totsi, you love how we sounded today. Substance a little bit iffy, (laughs) but, uh, we're we're rusty too. Yeah. Well, we're just kind of talking. It's like a phone call that people get to listen in on. Uh, and meaningful games for the stars begin on Friday, and that means next week we will have that and much more to discuss. So, one more reminder, people: write a theme song, concoct a theme song. You can play it on your xylophone or your recorder, drum set, guitar, synth, whatever. Make it happen. Send it to Totsie on Twitter, and you'll be a part of Rinky Dinking week in and week out. Mike, thanks for your time and your your courage and your your information. And uh, Jeff Totes, it was easy getting on the air. I bet you next week it's a lot easier. <laughs> yep. Thanks to you, you stay uh, you stay COVID free because you're actually uh, embedded. You're you're right there with the actual athletes of the day. And uh, for all of you out there in, in podcast world, remember, continue to test negative, stay positive. <laughs>